Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And I'm with a good friend, Zach Ellis, today, who is somebody who grew up here at Silver Birch Ranch. His dad, Brad, and his mom, Sarah, are still here at camp, and Brad is the camp director here. So many of the people that have used Silver Birch Ranch through the years know who Brad and Sarah are. This is his, their son, their oldest son, and you have two sisters, correct? Mm-hmm, that's so, right. So you're the old guy, and uh, I'm sure you treated them with nothing but respect. As oh, you grew yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Yep. Brother-sister relationship. So what are you doing now? You, you grew up here at camp, and now you, you're out on the east coast somewhere? Mm-hmm, yep. I'm out in uh, beautiful New England, southern New Hampshire, about an hour north of Boston. Uh, very, well, in some ways, similar landscape to what we have here in Wisconsin, but I think very different culture. Uh, out there. And I've been there for now about six going on seven years on and off. Uh, and, and right now, interesting season of life. Uh, I'm in the middle of literally in the middle of a uh, master's in counseling program at Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary on the North Shore uh, sure. in Massachusetts. And then I also uh, work with a ministry called the Nathan Project, uh, through which we, we su- provide support and resources to men uh, struggling with sexual addiction, pornography addiction. We partner with churches, with pastors, with families, uh, and work kind of across that whole area. I think about almost 50 groups right now, and, and the need is not going away. Um, it's growing and growing. Yeah, well, let me, you, you say that my mind starts to spin a little bit. It's like, okay, I work with young people. Uh, is it even possible for a young person to come up in, in the culture today, become a senior in high school, and not uh, be somewhat addicted to pornography? You know, it's it's a good question. I would say no. It's pretty much you can assume that there will be exposure at some point. Whether that develops into addiction or not, that's a different story. But for, almost for sure, young people, both men and women, will be exposed to pornography at some point in their developing years. Now, some people don't think they need help until they have an addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't define addiction. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you in a second to help me define addiction because bottom line is, let's say I'm trying to help an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. We know the first step is to say I got a problem mm-hmm. you know, with, with alcohol. Mm-hmm. If I can't get them to say that, I can't, you know, if it's no, I don't have a problem with it. I enjoy it. It doesn't really do anything to me. Well, I'm not helping them mm-hmm. you know, at all. Well, likewise, so a, a, a young person is into pornography. Now, I, again, I, that's a broad term. Don't know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Just into it, casually, sure. or whatever it might be. They, they don't care. They turn on their computer, their, their phone, and they get into it, and then they get into something else. And they get, is that an addiction? What is an addiction in this thing mm-hmm. that we're talking about? And who needs help? Yeah, really good question. Uh, so an addiction is like a perennially difficult term to define. Oftentimes, I will even shy away from it because the word comes with so many layers and a lot of stigma for people. And the immediate reaction is to say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so, therefore I'm not an addict. And we've already veered off the path. We're already talking about something different. So what I maybe a different way of reframing it is to say compulsive behavior. And by that, I mean, I am now aware that 
I'm doing something which initially, maybe originally, I enjoyed, and now I'm seeing the negative effects on my life, and yet I cannot stop it. I'm caught up in a cycle, a binge and purge cycle. I'll hold off for a while, and then I'll use the thing, in this case, pornography. I'll feel shameful. I'll feel depressed. I'll feel isolated, and I don't know how to deal with those emotions, so I go back to the very thing that makes me feel good for a little bit of time, in this case, the pornography, and the cycle continues. And when somebody's caught up in that, whether they know it or not, oftentimes when they come to us to say, hey, I've got a problem with this, and oftentimes it's not by their own volition. It's my wife, my partner, my business, my church caught me in the middle of this. Now I've got to deal with this somehow. And by the way, I don't know how to stop it. I've tried for X number of months, years. I've tried to do it on my own, and I'm just now realizing I don't have control over this. And we could say that is addiction. Yeah. Well, you know, when I look at our culture, I think, okay, the young people that are growing up in our culture, you know, they are going to get exposed to pornography because everything, you and I were talking off air about how everything's sexualized mm-hmm. somehow and, and perverted to a certain degree and it's like, oh, no, I want to see that. There's a natural curiosity among children mm-hmm. that, that really is natural, and it's not evil mm-hmm. in, in that stage necessarily. They just wonder, what is going on here? You know what I mean? And, and before you know it, they're sucked into something, and it's not, it's not something that's healthy. But since pornography is there, and since it seems like it's going to be there like forever somehow, and it's always been there, by the way. I, I mean, you look back in the Bible and read, it wasn't pornography, it was other things that were going on, but lust is lust. And, 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 and I always try and talk to young people about the process because when Jesus started to describe like adultery, he said, uh, you know, don't lust. Why get that out of your head? Why? Because lust is, is going to lead to something. So that's the battle you want to fight. You don't want to fight the other one. And, and so you stop it, you know, way ahead of time. God understands that he made us as sexual beings, but he also made parameters around it to keep us free. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like uh, you can't live in a culture that has no parameters and still be free. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right now on the west side of our country, over in Oregon or up in that area, there's a lot of stores closing mm-hmm. because the laws there have broken down. In other words, the rules, the expectations, they're not there anymore. So in order for, let's just say, a Walmart to operate, you can't have people walk in and just take things without paying. Mm -hmm. So you have to have guidelines, fences, rules. If you come in the store, you need to go over there and you need to take out cash or credit card and pay for it. And now we can stay open and now you have the freedom to come in and buy groceries or whatever you're buying at Walmart. Mm-hmm. So if you take the walls around the, the fences out of there, there's no more freedom anymore. We just saw that exact thing as my mom and I just completed a, it was the Sexual Integrity Leadership Summit, which for ministry leaders out there, worth looking up, SILS, S-I-L-S, if you Google that, really, really valuable annual resource. We just uh, completed that down in Florida and on our drive back through Asheville, North Carolina, which is a city I had lived in for a while, uh, and would claim even for itself that it would be a much more liberal uh, kind of leaning city and, and very kind of open 
open and it's based on tourism. And as we're walking through there, the first business I wanted to show my mom downtown, the first business we stopped in at, the the business owner looked a little downcast and it was kind of quiet around town to begin with. And we're there on a weekend, prime season. And he said, you know what, from X number of years ago, when a lot of legislation came out about removing funding from our uh, from our police, from our uh, law enforcement, now we're seeing the impact where we're dealing with crime running rampant and people don't want to come here anymore because we got stories in the news that it's not safe. Right. So to that end, when you say when in regards to sexuality, it's all available. It's all open. You can do whatever you want. I think the temptation is what is being the quiet part is being said out loud that you as an individual can create your own reality and it will be good. Yeah. The backside of that is when it doesn't work out, you're caught holding the bag of responsibility. You're now still burdened with recreating a reality that will work. And when that one doesn't, you have to redo it and redo it and redo it. And unfortunately, that process always leads into an isolated place. Because, well, if it doesn't work for me, I'm now afraid to let anybody else know. And then they're in the same position. And we're walking around alone in the midst of a crowded room. Right. Well, you know, I think it's interesting because God, in my my simple ways, comes and says, I got a fence around this sexual stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. You find, for me, I find one woman, I stay faithful to her all my life. Mm-hmm. That's the fence. That's the way I made it. You want to enjoy this sexual part of life? That's the way it's done. Okay. And when you look at other women, you look at them. I'm trying to get young men now, and I've told you this before. I'm trying to get young men to look at other women and everyone else right in their eyes. Nowhere else. Look in their eyes. And before you say a word, pray for them. Just get in the habit of seeing them as a human. Not as an object. Why? Because that's the way God made us to be. He made us to see each other as people, as, as created by God. See, what I'm doing is trying, I'm trying to recreate the fences, the rules that keep us enjoying the Walmart. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I like the fact that I need something. I can walk into a store. They have it on the shelf. I can grab it. I can pay for it. That's the rule. And then I walk out, and and I know that store's doors will stay open so I can get food in the future, whatever it might be. I live by that. Mm -hmm. And and a free society has to do that. And a free people with God need to understand that the fences are there, that the rules are there, so that we can enjoy what God has provided for us. And to think any other way, it doesn't work in society, and it won't work spiritually. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of like, I was going to the fact that, okay, it's always going to be there. I mean, right now we got computers, we got, who knows, artificial intelligence, whatever. Mm -hmm. I have no idea where things are headed. At my age, people my age don't care. You know, (laughs) we're not that much into it. So, um, but the bottom line is, when I was young, I realized there were a few things that everybody was going to own, so you need to know how to use them. Everyone was going to own a car. So what do we do? We got this elaborate system. You got to get a license. You can't get it to 16. Everybody's going to use a car. So let's let's get traffic lights and stop signs and yellow stripes on roads and because like, everyone's going to use one. So we have to we have to deal with organizing how this is used in a healthy manner. It isn't okay for me to go out there and drag race with my buddies at 150 miles an hour in my souped up Subaru. You know, I mean, that's just not how it does. So 
the the bottom line really is I'm looking at the same issue going, okay, we have computers, we have artificial intelligence. We better train the next generation you know, how to use this safely. There, there needs to be a few more lines on the road and, 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 and somehow, and I don't know, my generation isn't going to be the one that solves that. Right. It seems like the part of that problem becomes, well, both the need for fences, as you're saying, and also a, a sense of exhaustion with how many more fences do I have to have before I just feel like I can't even hardly turn around. It's like you add another coat of paint on the room and before you know it enough coats of paint in the room is pretty small i don't feel like i can move anywhere anymore right. and i think that's exactly what the enemy wants to do is to build up so many things that he know he knows are very much intended to hurt us and so we have to build up more fences more ways of protecting against that and before you know it you're caught up only thinking about the uh you're only thinking about the 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 dealing with the issue and not at all thinking about to your point what you said a bit ago how much of this god has intended for our good so what we end up seeing constantly, and it's the same across the board with, with men and women that are coming in to, to seek resources through the Nathan Project and through any ministries that are, that are seeking to support people, um, really what they're saying is, how can I come back into enjoying relationship in the way that I know that I know I'm intended for? Right. And gosh, that, that's there every single time oftentimes the language isn't quite there to describe it in that way but that's what people are saying and it's so exciting then to be able to say well we're not talking about just freedom from addiction we're talking about freedom for the life that god intended you to have from the very beginning one way that i i like to kind of for even for a little bit of shock value uh is to say i want you to be naked Right. And by naked, I mean not running around without clothes on, literally with everybody that you meet. But I want you to be experiencing vulnerable intimacy with those that are in your life by bearing um, by bearing witness to the people around you and by being willing to be honest about where you are at. That is at the bottom, underneath all of it, that's what you are craving. If you look all the way back to the garden, when shame and sin entered the room, what did we do? We covered up. We, we, we sewed our clothing together to cover up that which we were never intended to be shameful about. Right. And so now we're always seeking for ways to gain, regain intimate relationship with each other and with God. In, but instead, we reach for the counterfeit. We reach for the thing that we feel we have control over. And so pornography is one of the perfect things for that, is uh, perfect in the, in the most nefarious sense of the word, that I get to, I get a, a dose of what I perceive as intimacy, sexual relationship, and yet I'm on the other side of the screen not having to deal with any of the relationship that would bring about proper, beautiful, right. flourishing sexual union. And so you divorce the two from each other and all sorts of problems erupt. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, you look at it while you were talking, I was thinking, okay, there's so many people that get themselves into trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and when they're in trouble, they're looking for help. And the Nathan Project is somewhere that they could turn to. And we'll get to making sure they get an address of that later, how they can sure. contact you guys or whatever that might be. Um, but I think of Job in the Bible. You know, I mean, he, here's a guy, the last mention of Job in the book, I think it's Second Peter, wherever it is, says he was a righteous man who despised the ways of those around him. I'm looking at that and I'm going, is that the right Job? Mm. I mean, not Job, excuse me, Lot. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. said Job, I meant Lot, so mm-hmm. he raised the Job part. So Lot, he was a righteous man who, did, who who was bothered by the way of those around him. I'm going, okay, here's a guy 
who lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, mm. who was bothered by Sodom and Gomorrah, but chose to live there anyway. Mm. Now, we don't know all of his motivations. We don't know. We don't know if he looked at it as a ministry, whatever he looked at. You know, I don't know. I do know that it started off with a self-centered move. That's all I know. And again, when I go back to my simple lifestyle, there's a lot of times like, I, you know, I've been asked sometimes to do a marriage seminar and I usually say no because I don't have much to say. And, and the reason is, is because I can't fill an hour with saying that marriage problems happen because I'm self-centered. I'm done. Hmm. I mean, really, my self-centeredness is the huge problem in any relationship. And if I deal with that, the other problems seem to just disappear. Is you know as simple as that may sound, and if either one of my wife or myself are living self-centered lives, we're not going to have a very good marriage. Mm-hmm. So that's what I have to deal with is being self-centered. So when I look at Lot's life, you know, his, his uncle Abram came to him and said, you know, our people are fighting, and and the mature Abram said, you pick one way, and and Lot looks over where the best stuff is and says, I'll take the best for me. Okay, Mr. Self-Centered. You know, I mean, that's where that's where I think the problem started. Mm-hmm. Well, probably started when he was born, but it started it showing itself. If if he would have dealt with it then, would he have seen the issues that he saw down the road? I I don't know, speculation on my part, but at least I can see the self-centered decision. Mm-hmm. Then somehow he ended up so he pitched his tent towards Sodom. The Bible makes it clear that he wouldn't live in Sodom right away. So, again, it doesn't make clear why, so I don't want to put too much into it. It's just he didn't. But he sure looked at it. He probably went there and bought stuff. He did whatever. Eventually, he's living in Sodom, and his daughters are there. And and when these guests come, he's willing to throw his daughters out to get raped all night. How do you get there? Yeah. You know what I mean? How, How do you get from Abram's nephew and all these promises to there? Yeah. And then they don't want the daughters. They they want other men out there. Right. It always goes further. So it's like, okay, well, now he can't even satisfy them. So eventually, eventually God says, you know, this city, Lot, you got to get out. Okay. Well, his wife turns into a pillar of salt, and his two daughters rape him. Hmm. And I'm thinking, how did you get there? How in the world... Did you get, and the last mention of, of him in the Bible is that he's a righteous man <laughs> who, who hated, who despised the ways of those around him. Mm-hmm. So when I look at that, uh, and I'm trying to just paint a picture for our listeners, you know, it's like sometimes, you know, you're probably part of church. You're probably, you, you can look at the culture and go, it's falling apart, but you can be a lot because you're self-centered. You're in it. You're trying to figure out how to, how to withdraw some significance from this culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the culture's not, it, so you're constantly not satisfied with it. And I don't think it's a stretch saying that, that Lot felt that way because, again, the last mention says he was dissatisfied with what was going on around him. But then I look at his life and I think, I would not want to end like Lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, I wouldn't like want that. So how do I stop it is mm-hmm. the question. If I, As a teacher, my brain goes back to, all right. How could this have been prevented? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not 100% sure, but if, there if he would have taken the other land and give Uncle Abe the best land, Abe might have been able to with, 
keep the distance. You know, now he, Abraham had his own problems. I, I, every human's a sinful person. I'm not sure his problems would have been living in Sodom. He just didn't want anyone stealing his wife. So, I mean, that that's his own issues. But the bottom line really is it, that kind of, to me, you're, you're talking and I'm picturing Lot. And I don't think that's an unusual situation within the church. If you bring it all the way back to the beginning of that story, it sounds like without reading too much into it, that Lot made it about himself. And then the process continued on from there and not all at once, not overnight, but step by step until he ended up in a very different place, literally, physically, relationally than where he started off. And that's what we see to bring it back to the to the sexual addiction um, conversation that's what we see time and time again is people arrive at a place in their early to mid adulthood and go how in the world did I get here and it's not to say like we're pointing fingers that this is all your fault we also look back and see family of origin issues and trauma and early exposure to pornography and and a lack of resources really a lack of relationship always breeds more lack of relationship we're hurt in community and then eventually we heal in community and so you can just keep tracing it all the way back and you you're always getting back to the origin of we are sinful now what do we do about that right now I I wonder in lots early years okay so so let's say the time where Abram says you know pick pick which direction you want to go in it's Abram who recognizes this fighting you know it's over sheep it's over grass let's not do this you go one way I go the other And, and so you can see the maturity you know in his part it's like whatever way you choose I'll go the other way to me, that, that shows Abraham was a guy of faith he, he, a lot of times. And, and he was pretty much saying, the, the sheep are going to be okay if God wants them okay, even if I go that way mm-hmm. or that way. Mm-hmm. So, but I wonder if there was an atmosphere where, it was, where somebody could have challenged Lot at that moment. You know, for example, if I were to come to you, if you were Lot, and I'm saying, okay, Zach, um, don't you think, you're being a little self-centered here by taking this land. I, I can imagine what Lot might say. Well, I got to take care of my, and he would probably have plenty of people backing him up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, well, that's not too much different than today. I mean, I can go to somebody who's, you know, I, I'll talk to guys who own businesses or whatever and, and, and challenge them. Say, what, what's the purpose of this business? Well, I got to take care of my, Really? What about doing things where you just honor God and, and walk with him and enjoy who he is? Mm-hmm. What about getting up every day and asking him how you're supposed to use this business? Down? Now, all of a sudden, it's like, so you're saying I'm not? Mm-hmm. No, I'm saying ask those questions. Because there's this guy, Lot, who I don't know if anyone asked these questions. Again, we're, I'm assuming some things that may not be true because it's not written. We don't know the whole dialogue anywhere. Abram could have challenged him. Mm-hmm. You know, we have no idea. If, but if he did, it wasn't recorded that he did. Right. Um, but those are the kind of things I look at now. And, and, and someone like in your position, you're working with people. It's like, how early can we get to him to stop the point where he ends up getting raped by his daughters and his wife dies? Right, right. From all the way in the beginning for his story, it sounds like 
Lot fell for the illusion of control. I need to be in charge of my own life. I need to handle all of this. And the assumption then is because nobody else will which then you've already thrown God completely out of the picture that, first of all, he created all the stuff that you're bickering and arguing about. And second, he's going to provide for you inside of that how he sees fit. Third, maybe, is that on the tail end of the backside of assuming control, when I can't do it anymore, then I'm still left holding the bag of trying to hold it all together. And what, well, what's the opposite of that? Because the world's not going to say that at all. The world's going to say, well, then try this and try this and try this. And oh, by the way, we're probably going to charge you for all those strategies along the way anyway. Right. And instead it's, well, if I don't have control over any of this, and yet I'm going to wake up tomorrow and have energy and resources to put to good use, then I suppose uh, I could do that in a way where I'm giving over control to God while also saying Use me in the way that you would see fit. Let me be a good steward. And by the way, not in isolation, but in relationship to one another. And along that process, it sure seems like because Dave's different than Zach and Zach is different than my dad, Brad, and Brad from Steve and all of these guys, those differences coalescing together also bring us into a space that we wouldn't otherwise end up in on our own. God uses us to work together to go, well, I'm going to pull from this resource and then I'm going to challenge you in your weak point here because this person sees it a different way. And before you know it, we all have what it is that we actually need. And some of the wants get taken care of along the way too. But most of the time, what I think that I want isn't what I wanted anyway. Yeah. And that's exactly what shows up within sexual addiction. What I thought that I wanted and the way that I went about getting it brings me to a place where I get none of what I need and I'm still left trying to control the situation. So it's such a relief for men, women, and families when they come to a space of brokenness to say, I can't do this anymore. They, it's so exciting to go, this is exactly where God wants you to be. And for me personally, where I have been more times than I wanted to be, And get to have so much joy now to say, oh, this is where the real change is going to happen. Finally, you're at a spot where you're willing to give up control. Yeah. I wonder even that story of Lot, if it wasn't he he understood the troubles he was in at the end and became that righteous guy and despised the ways of, Hmm. you know. Because there comes a point where you look at the stuff that you used to look at for pleasure and you despise it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you realize how it fooled you. I mean, I, I don't know how many guys are former smokers. Mm. That if you light up in front of them, they're going to punch you. You know, and tell you how <laughs> stupid you are for for smoking. And someone like myself, who never smoked, I'll just tell you it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not overly. You know, you want to smoke? That's your business. But if I got a former smoker with me, they go nuts. Or a former mm. alcoholic, it's like the alcohol, or or a former porn addicted. Mm-hmm. guy or something mm-hmm. i mean they they treat it differently mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like you know my my grandpa was an alcoholic and i i've never really i'm I'm not into any alcohol at all so it but i'm not into like soda pop either so i'm not into you know, i'm just not into i drink water and milk you know mm-hmm. pretty much i'm pretty boring <laughs> wild and crazy yeah <laughs> but but the bottom line is it, i'm not overly crazy about correcting people on certain things because it's like, you know, I don't know. I never touched it. However, I did see the damage alcohol did. So I'll talk about alcohol. I see the damage in, and even students that have been through here in different places who go out and become alcoholics and, and their lives begin to. And, and so I don't like that. I don't like what's happening to them. Mm-hmm. So I'll say that. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, you become judgmental and all this stuff. It's like, just be quiet. Because, the, you know, the bottom line to me is there are, there are, I go back to Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, whatever it might be. There's a path that gets you somewhere. That path is something that you need to look at. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. lust brings you to here. So it's the lust thing you want to work on mm-hmm. because you don't want the next step to that. It's the hate thing you want to work on because you don't want the next step to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you quick give us a, an address for the Nathan Project? Yep, yep, nathanproject.net. nathanproject.net. And I encourage you to come back to Younger Older for the next segment. We're going to talk about the Nathan Project a little bit more and, and what that's about. And I want to encourage you to contact them, contact their 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 websites. Uh, if they're looking for ways to get supported or whatever, I encourage you to go look at that and participate with them. We got a lot of work to do in this area as a nation. And anyone that's working on it, we need to support with our prayers and our gifts if we can do that. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch. Thanks for listening.